Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello, and welcome back to the Dear Prudence podcast. I am Dear Prudence, also known as Mallory Ortberg, and with me in the studio today is a very special guest that I'm really excited for all of you to get to meet. Um, She's already known and beloved to all of us here in the studio, and soon we think that she will be known and beloved by you as well. Uh, But before we get started, I needed to let you all know about a little store in Berkeley that I drive to every time I come to the studio that I feel like is really misrepresenting itself, and I need to to make a call-out post, I think. It's... um, It's a dog collar store with a sign that says, yes, we only sell dog collars out front that does not only sell dog collars. I drive past this at least twice a week, and there's always this movie marquee sign outside that says, that's right, it's only dog collars in here, as if they are like really defensive about all the people who come in and say, do you guys really just sell dog collars? So... Because marketing works, uh, eventually I felt compelled to stop and go inside. And they don't just sell dog collars. They sell leashes. They sell dog clothing. They sell dog beds. They sell all sorts of dog accoutrement. And I felt really upset because I don't understand why you would bill yourself as dog collar only when that's not like a need. People aren't saying like, oh, when will a dog collar specific store finally open up here in the Bay? Um, You could just say you sell dog stuff. But you have to go, like, no, it's just dog collars. That's it. Um, But it's a lie. It's not true. So Paco collars, what the hell? What the hell, guys? Um, I want answers. I want to know why you're lying to your customers. I want to know why you're lying to me. Um, Please don't actually answer this. I'm scared of making dog people mad. Um, I I, I don't want I actually would like to retract all of this. Please don't come explain yourselves to me. You can do whatever you want. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry I brought any of this up. Please don't talk to me. I wonder if they didn't put the sign up. To get people inside? I wonder if somebody else put the sign up. No, it's it's very much attached to the storefront. I wonder front. if you put the sign up so no, you could do this no, riff. it's like this big, uh, believe mm. me, believe me, I, I, I am not in the habit of misrepresenting, you know, dog paraphernalia All right. uh, stores in order to get airtime. Um, but it just is so bewildering to me that there's a store that has like this big old, you know, the movie marquee signs where they you put up the letters like individually. Yes. yes. Uh, churches have them and stuff. Absolutely. Uh, and it says, yes, we only sell dog collars. I don't I don't know that they put it up. Somebody else might have it's done attached, that. It's physically attached to the storefront. All right, never it mind. is in no way like just a little okay. chalkboard sign. Um, normally, my guests wait for me to introduce them before they begin talking. I wasn't sure what to but, do. Um, I, I love that you jumped in. Uh, this is my mother, uh, everyone. This is this is my mom. This is Nancy Orberg, and she's here to join me on the show today. Hi, everybody. I gave birth to Mallory. Thanks, Mom. I sure, sure I sure appreciate sure. it. My producer is clapping in the sound booth. Oh, that's She's so really cute. excited about it. Um, hey. Mom, I, I'm really excited to have you on the show. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for asking me. You have given me some good advice over the years. Hmm. And now here we are about to give people some good advice. This is good. Yeah. I, is there anything that you feel like you really want to get across today? Like anything that you think all readers of the column should know about, like, conflict resolution, boundaries, dealing with difficult people at work, speaking about how you're feeling. Yes, yes. So here's what I think. 
I think that most of what we're looking for mm-hmm. is actually on the other side of conflict. Ooh, and that we on. actually have to move through it, even though we don't want to, in order to get to the place where we feel really deeply known by people and loved by people and connected with people. This is like the theme of and the show. the last thing I want to say is I'm just really proud to be Mallory's mother. Oh, yeah. Jeez, thanks, Mom. Sure, honey. No, that's so, that's so true because I get so many letters that are from these really, like, genuinely sweet, compassionate mm-hmm. people with, like, deep desires to, like, be known or listened to or heard. And so often their questions boil down to, how do I get what I want without having to ask for it? Or how do I end this relationship without talking to this person? Right. How do I have really difficult conversations that I'm scared to have? I know. Yeah. I know. Well, and this is a good thing to talk about. I know. So I'm glad. I'm Okay. I'm glad that that's your, your like, advice ethos. I'm glad that we're diving in. And let's just get started with let's the first go, letter. Mal. All right. I'm going to read this. This one is called Social Manners and Taboos. So here we go. We're getting started. Let's hear it. Uh, Dear Prudence, I recently had a conversation with friends where I rather critically mentioned a woman I met who was proud of herself for not vaccinating her children. Shortly thereafter, one of the people who were a part of that conversation posted on social media that she's sick of people being so judgmental about not vaccinating and that instead of jumping to judgment, we would all be better off asking about one another's views and opinions as we might learn something. Ordinarily, I would agree with what she's saying, but there are certain beliefs that I find so wildly off base that I just don't feel like validating them in conversation. Can open-mindedness come with limits, or does it have to be unconditional? Is there an expectation that we should treat all viewpoints as valid, or is it ever accessible? I'm sorry, is it ever acceptable to decide that certain opinions are just unworthy of conversation? I'm so glad you're here for this. Yikes. There's a lot in there. Mm -hmm. So first disclaimer is I used to be a nurse. You did. So I would share the position that vaccinations are very good. So I I understand that position. A couple of thoughts. One of the things that the writer said early on in the question was something about um, engaging on social media. And here's the problem with social media. It just fosters judgmentalism. Mm -hmm. Not always, but you don't get to listen on social media. And listening to somebody else is such an important part of both understanding them and connecting with them. So what I would say is that while you may not be able to sway their opinion, what you can do via a conversation is help you you and that person be connected to each other. So like this woman said, I wish people would talk about this more and not be so judgmental. I think that's a perfect opening to say, could I do that with you? Right. right. And that's part of what's tricky, right, is this woman didn't say that in the moment. She didn't say, mm. I think you're being really judgmental. Let's talk about how vaccines are. Right. I mean, I can't even try to, like, come up with her argument just because I'm I'm so clear that vaccines are helpful uh, and good. Uh, But yeah, she didn't say that in the moment. She waited until afterwards and then posted on social media in a way that she knew she would see, but was not in any way direct, which makes that really hard. Because then, of course, you feel like, do I tell her I'm pretty sure that this is about me? How do I sit with this? A couple of things I think of when you have to have a difficult conversation. I think starting with observations and questions is really good, Mm -hmm. mostly because I spent years starting with like really judgmental phrases about my opinions and realize, well, that's not working. (laughs) And so just to make observations or ask questions, would you really be open to a conversation about this? And again, you'd have to go in knowing you probably aren't going to change your mind. But if one of the goals was just to stay connected while you disagree, because that's part of life, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You don't want to just be friends with people that you agree with about everything, because then you could just be a friend with yourself. Yeah. But although I will say, because the the question is ultimately, is there an expectation that we should Mm -hmm. treat all viewpoints as valid? Ah. Does open-mindedness... Uh, does it have to be unconditional? 
I'm going to go ahead and say no. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of going to weigh in with you on that one. Yeah, yep. some viewpoints are straight up bad. Yeah. Um, there's just no medical evidence to support bad. that vaccines are dangerous, especially in the way that anti-vaxxers have kind of suggested over the years. Right. It's bad science. It's bad medicine. It's it's bad everything. It's bad for the children. It's bad for kids. Yep. Uh, I'm really glad I don't have polio or mumps yeah. or or what are the other ones? MMR? What is that? Uh, measles, mumps, and rubella. I'm glad I don't have any of those things Whooping because cough, I got vaccinated. I got tetanus. the chicken pox vaccine. Yes, you did. <laughs> this is you now got, just you're covered. This is now just turning into my you medical must have history. Had a good mom. To make <laughs> I sure did. You got all those vaccines. Yeah, but no, I think uh, there are ways to say. I think I think this viewpoint does not have merit. That's not necessarily anyone who thinks this much be an, must be an idiot, right? Which it sounds like maybe the woman who ended up posting about this was feeling. And it's hard not to feel that way sometimes, but you don't have to lead with that. Yeah. And I think the bigger question is how do we engage with people that we don't agree with? Sure. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think. Did you do anything wrong by saying, I know a woman who's proud of herself for not vaccinating her children, and I think that's bad? No. No. You didn't do anything wrong there. No. Um, If that woman really wanted to have a conversation with you about it, she could have either said something in the moment or talked to you later. Uh, Yes. And there are limits. Yeah, sure. Even to open-mindedness, everything has limits. I think it was Kierkegaard that says, you know, we mature when we mourn our limits. We just have limits that we don't like, and we do. And who wants to argue with Kierkegaard? I can't. Uh, Yeah. He's smarter than I am. All right. Uh, Let's go ahead and move on to the next letter, which is called Stepdad Issues. Oh. Dear I per- thought there was just going to be one question today. No, we have a bunch. I'm right, sorry. Yeah, going. we're not done. All we right. have to. We have to help a lot of people. Fair enough. They're, they need you. <laughs> uh, all right. Dear Prudence, when I was 16, my mom left my dad for another man. They both cheated on each other, and after almost 30 years together, they just decided to call it quits. I have a hard time making attachments to people, but I've managed to build a decent relationship with my stepfather. Earlier last year, my father disowned me because his wife felt that I continued to take my mom's side about issues and didn't agree with the way that I handled the divorce back when I was a teenager, even though I'm now in my 30s. The whole fight was terrible. I left my dad's house in tears as she screamed at me from the doorway. I confided in my mother and my stepfather about the incident. He has taken this really hard and states that he never understood how much I, have, how much I must have had to deal with back then. He's made it his mission ever since to, quote-unquote, build me up and offers me a lot of praise and compliments. Well, it's gotten to a point where I feel that it's borderline creepy. I've gently asked him to stop, but he just continues. He constantly tells me how attractive I am, how I need to hold myself in a better light, and how on my wedding day, quote, every man in the room will have inappropriate thoughts when they see me in my gown. Ooh. He's been there for me for almost two decades, and this has become a recent issue, one that I don't know how to deal with. I don't want to damage my relationship in any way, and I don't know if I'm blowing something minor out of proportion. I can't talk to my mother about this for obvious reasons. And my husband, who loves my stepfather, admits that it's a bit weird, but feels that maybe he's just being overly nice. Thoughts on how to deal with this would be appreciated. This one had such a twist. I thought this was going to be about how to deal with her father and stepmother, and then it was like, no. Well, and there's that in it, too. This is complicated. I'm so sorry for this poor letter writer. can we just start there? First of all, I'm really sorry, and I'm sorry that your dad said that he didn't like the way you handled the divorce when you were a teenager. That's crazy. Like, you were the kid, and how you handled the divorce was really not something you were terribly responsible for. Mm -hmm. I do think with your stepdad— um, I think he's trying too hard, and sometimes when we try too hard, we do things really poorly. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if it might be worth you, with your husband's help, just crafting a very simple three or four paragraph email hmm. to send him in writing and say, I'd like to talk about this more. 
but I'd want to give you this information first before we talk. And mm. here's what I appreciate about our relationship. Here's how you've always been there for me. You've really been a part of my healing from the divorce. Mm. But I feel like you're trying too hard in this situation. And it's it's coming up against a line where I'm starting to feel uncomfortable. I, I definitely agree that she should talk about it with him. Okay. I do feel like the fact that this is really new behavior, mm. kind of everything else she said about yep. him, I do think it, there's a good chance it's not that he's genuinely trying to sexually harass her. Just trying too hard to make up. And in a super inappropriate way, which yeah. is good. It would be really bad if it was like lately he's been, you yes. know, hugging for oh, too yeah. long, following me into mm. other rooms, like really making it clear that he is interested. Absolutely. Um, I wonder, I always worry about telling someone to email just because it can be sometimes easier to misinterpret. Sure. So that's where either you do it with your husband who can give you good feedback or yeah. maybe just as simple as I have something that's hard to, hmm. to talk about that I want to talk with you about. Do I have your permission to set up a time to do that? And maybe just some kind of prep, yep. whether it's descriptive in a couple paragraphs or just saying I want to get together and talk about something hard. And I think that's a really good idea to have her husband with her. Because Absolutely. part of what she's talking about is you make me feel uncomfortable physically yeah. when you talk about my appearance. Right. And so to have her husband with her as support so that they're not alone together. I love that. Because, um, again, it's it's possible that this is intentional and that this mm. person who's been there for you in a lot of this, ways that would send a strong is now trying to cross a boundary that he shouldn't. Yeah. And so you should have your husband there in case, you know, the worst is true. Yes. Um, but I do agree with you what you said earlier. It's not indicative of the way he's been in the past. I hope not. And I just, hope it's a yeah, genuine error. Exactly. And then just to start off by saying, you have meant so much to me. I'm so glad we have the kind of relationship we do. Yep. Here's something that's making me uncomfortable. Yeah, and to say I think I really appreciate that you've been so supportive during this hard time. I want you to know that when you focus on my appearance, it doesn't help me with my relationship with my father or stepmother, yeah. and it makes me feel uncomfortable, and yeah. I'd like you to stop. Well, I think that needs to be really clear. Not like very you're, clear. Not to assign motivations to it, because mm -hmm. it's possible that he's not, but to just say, when you talk about my appearance, yep. when you said that thing about my dress oh, on my wedding day, yeah, no. that made me feel very uncomfortable, and yeah. I want to ask you not to do it again. Just give, I think that's great. Give him a really clear yes or no question. I think that's well said. And then just as a, a parent of three kids, I know what it's like to care so much that you try too hard and you do it really poorly. Hmm. So for all you parents out there, don't do that. Yeah. Um, I also just feel for this. I, I just feel for this letter writer so much because, mm. you know, she says, I can't even talk to my mother about this. Oh. And I just think like she's lost a relationship with her father. Yeah. Her stepmother was screaming at her as she was, like, running out to her yep. car. She's worried that she'll alienate her mother if she says that her stepfather's been doing something uncomfortable. So yep. I'm just really glad that your husband is on your side. Yep. Um, and I think it's definitely appropriate for you to feel uncomfortable. It's definitely appropriate yes. to say something. And I hope very much that he responds well. And if he doesn't, then I do think you need to say something to your – like, if he continues – then it's then time I think it's to time to talk to your mother. Level. I hope Absolutely. very much that he doesn't. I hope he'll do be that. mortified and say, I am so sorry. I was trying to help you. I see now that talking about your appearance was definitely the wrong way to yeah. go. Yeah. I won't do it again. Yeah. That would be ideal. And if I could just add, uh, you know, Mallory, you know a little bit about my story. My parents separated when I was a young girl and were moving towards a divorce and ended up getting back together. So mm -hmm. it's a bit of an unusual story. But I feel for this letter writer, too, because divorce impacts kids in ways that we aren't always willing to be honest about. And mm. it doesn't mean that it can't happen, it shouldn't happen, it doesn't happen. Right. We just need to take it seriously. It is the rending and the ripping apart of the very soul of a kid's world. Mm. And that's just going to take years of 
patching back together. Totally. And that's okay. Totally. Yeah, no, and I, I think that just kind of comes through in this letter, which yeah. is just, it's hard for me to connect to people. Yep. Um, I feel like in suddenly, you know, especially with her father, but also with her mother, my, my parents sort of um, reoriented their loyalties to other people. Exactly. And I feel like I have to navigate oh. that real carefully because I don't know who's what primary loyalties to me. What a situation for a kid to feel like they're in. And I'm just so glad her partner is supportive. Yep. And with her in this. Yes. Yep. So I'm hopeful that this is the best case scenario. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a really good chance he'll respond well to this, especially if you bring it up. past history. Just in terms of, I love you. I think you're trying to do the right thing. I don't like the way it's happening. And I want you to do something different. I'm with you on that one. And good luck. I hope that goes really well. Uh, All right. So we're going to move away from family troubles and move into office troubles, which I'm excited Mm, to have you help with. Fascinating. Um, So this one is called, What's My Obligation? Dear Prudence. I started at my company a little less than six months after my coworker did. We have the same job title, work closely together, and have both been on very good terms with each other. Both of us have been told we're on track for promotion to management positions and to receive offices as we're currently sitting in cubicles. Well, I was just recently informed by our boss that I'm getting moved to the one newly available office. I know that my coworker kind of expects that he would be the first one to get it due to seniority. And if I'm honest, I have to admit there's no factual basis for moving me over him. Do I have any obligation to mention to my boss that my coworker probably should get consideration for the office first due to seniority? I can pretty much guarantee that my coworker will expect me to back him up on this. Or do I just stay silent and tell my coworker that I really don't know why, but it's the boss's decision potentially harming our good working relationship? Oh, the look on your face is amazing right now. Well, it's amazing because, you know, who knows if this is right, but this one feels kind of easy. Mm-hmm. Here's the deal. Mm-hmm. What would you want your coworker to do if it was reversed? And I would say, no, you don't owe your coworker an explanation or a defense because it's not your decision. It's the boss's decision. But I do think that your coworker would probably appreciate hearing it from you before they heard it from the boss. Hmm. Point, counterpoint. I don't know that I have a point or a counterpoint so much as just I feel so much I feel so much for this person because it's just only like in an office environment. Do you get people who, you know, are both probably reasonable, well-meaning people, but could possibly lose a good working relationship over who gets an office. Right. Like there's sometimes just this like absolute scramble for a little space, a little privacy to have your own door. And I just feel bad. Well, and what it means in terms of advancement exactly am i ahead am i behind does someone have like a shiny toy that i don't have yeah Um, i'm also impressed that they work in an office that still has offices i thought everyone was on the like open cube bullpen plan they're probably in that last layer of offices that have bought cubicles from 17 other companies that have gone virtual and are the last company on the face of the earth that has cubicles yeah yeah maybe you'll both lose your jobs in a year (laughs) and this point will be moot yeah. And seniority just doesn't guarantee advancement in a company. You I don't think, get to play that card. I think, yeah. I mean, I think obviously, like, no one's going to die here. No one's being, yeah. like, threatened with a layoff. So let's keep this a little yeah. bit in perspective. And be gracious. Um, but also, like, it's fair if you wanted to ask your boss, like, hey, I'm just kind of curious. Yes. What? Because, like, you're right that it's the boss decisions, but employees, I think, also have a right and sometimes an obligation to ask questions about why a, a boss has made is a decision. question is a great way to do it. And mm-hmm. to just say, like, you know, since... My coworker and I, you know, have the same jobs. I, I'm kind of curious why you think that I would benefit more from an office or, or what led you to make that decision. Because it might be that they have a really good reason that you didn't consider. And it might be, oh, shoot, I forgot he had seniority. I should give it to him. And, there, yeah, there's always the option of telling the boss, hey, I, I would rather Sam get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, you, you know, do that too. if I were making the decision, since all other things are equal between the two of us, the fact that they're they've got seniority would 
but again, it's it's six months. It's not like he was there for years exactly. and years. Six months is, you know, uh, he could have probably shown you around the office when you first got there, but it's not like he's got years on you. And I think the better they have this conversation now, the more comfortable this person is going to feel if every day they're walking into the office and Sam's sitting in the cubicle. Right. I don't think an office is worth... Uh, having a really tense working relationship if you feel like you kind of owe it to Sam to at least ask a question and at least let at them At least know. ask a question. Yeah. yeah. I like how we just both decided his name was Sam. Yeah. Um, I kind of like that. I bet it is. Yeah. No, I, I think this is just one of those things where this is where it starts, right? Is like you come in at the same time and everybody's careers moves at different pace for a lot of different reasons. Sometimes talent, sometimes hard work, sometimes opportunity, sometimes politics, sometimes yeah. a combination of all those things. And you can sort of track, oh, we came on at about the same time, but a few years out, like well, I've got that, this thing, you've yeah. got that thing. And that's just interesting that everybody's kind of watching from their peripheral vision. Yeah. About all these guys. Well, especially there's only two of them. Well, there like, you they, go. They're, they're just like, you don't need much peripheral vision. I'm just picturing them sitting person. in this incredibly empty office floor with right. just two, two lights on, and they're both just staring each other down like, <laughs> who's going to get the office? Your pen is sharper. <laughs> you don't sharpen pens, but you know what I mean. Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah. I would say talk to your boss, ask a question. They might have a really good reason. Uh, they might just be like, I just want you to have an office because I like you better. Hmm. Uh, in which case, I actually start, don't know what you would do with that. Start decorating the office. Sure, yeah. You get an office. Yeah, um, yeah you're going to be fine. Uh, good. I think we yeah. solved that one. That was Phew. that was relatively straightforward, which Man. is always nice to get on the show. Um, so let's move on to something that I don't think is going to be easy, hmm. which is uh, just called Content with Misery. Ooh. Dear Prudence, my parents are wonderful people individually, but terrible partners for each other. The trouble is they refuse to split. It's come down to this odd waiting game where whoever leaves is the one who loses, Mm. and they've drawn this process out now for over 25 years. When I was about 10 years old, my parents started venting their frustrations about each other to me. I am beyond the point of choosing sides or getting riled up on either one's behalf, and I typically respond with, that's interesting, or I'm sorry you're upset. Besides realizing that I was an inappropriate choice for a makeshift counselor, I'm really just tired of hearing about their marital problems, especially since they're not interested in either reconciliation or a divorce. However, my parents refuse to talk to anyone else about this, and I fear that if it's not me, it'll be no one. It's driving me crazy, but I want them to feel heard. While my parents are kind, compassionate people, they bring out the absolute worst in each other, and saying, oh my God, divorce or stop talking to me seems dramatic. Any ideas? Many ideas, which mostly boil down to some key phrase that you say to both of your parents every single time they try to bring this up. Nope, not going there. Uh Uh-uh. Remember, we are not talking about this. Watermelon, whatever the word is you come up with. (laughs) Are you suggesting a safe word? Absolutely. And tell them it's a safe word. And just say, this is where a boundary is going to be really important. I am the least appropriate person on the face of the planet which leaves you everybody else on the planet to talk to about this, that you need to be heard, yes, that you need to get counseling and figure this out, yes, that I have opinions about it, yeah. Yeah. I am not the right person to mm-hmm. vent to or confide in. Totally. I, yeah, and I think that really speaks to that that note where they said, I fear if it's not me, it'll be no one. If it's not you, like you said, lots of other everybody people, else on the everybody. planet. Like, everybody. you are not the only 10 person billion who can listen to this. Whatever the current I have no idea how many I don't people. either. Probably but. not 10. I think we're I think we're a little below, mm-hmm. but that's not the point. They could talk to Sam, the yeah. guy that's not getting the office. <laughs> they could talk to They could write to me. They could write to you. They yes. could do anything. Yes. And I think there's that idea that this this letter writer, it sounds like, I think, has gotten the message from their parents. If they don't talk to me, they won't talk to anyone exactly. else. And it's like, actually, they could just change their minds about that. Right. Um, and I'm coming back to another phrase. Wrong person. Yeah. That's what you say. Wrong person. Every time they say this. And I have to say, 
your your point that the idea of saying, oh, get divorced or stop talking to me mm-hmm. seems dramatic. It does not seem dramatic yeah. based on what you've described. It feels which like is painted into a corner frantic. 25 years yeah, of exhausting. I hate my marriage. Oh. I'm not going to do anything about it. Oh. But you, the product of it, have to hear on a regular basis how miserable your other parent makes That's me. That's a terrible position to put your kid in. Yep. Just awful. Yep. I mean, essentially, they have been divorcing from one another for 25 years. I wouldn't like normally recommend it, but I think she could say, Dear Prudence says, you need not to talk to me about this. Yeah, no, I, I think you need to draw a really hard line here. Yeah. And I, I love that you've already gone with that's interesting and I'm sorry you're yeah, upset. No, seriously, that's I, a I'm great so first I'm so impressed step. that you've already been able to for do sure. that. But like, that's actually a really reasonable boundary to draw and I just need you well, to hear they're going to, if if they want to talk to other people, yeah. they will make it happen. And part of the boundary is protecting yourself because if you keep going and they do decide to get divorced, then your agony is going to be, oh my gosh, did I cause this because I suggested it. You, you you are not the right person. No, I mean, this is just such a horrible game that they have developed. And the fact that they're trying to rope you into it is just really unkind. And I'm guessing most of that's unconscious. Yes. No, it's I like don't this... think they're sitting around thinking, how can I make our kid miserable? Right, but right. but wrong person. Absolutely the wrong person. No, and that, I mean, that subject line is really accurate. Content with misery is it sounds oh. like there, it's like a, when a raccoon gets a piece of garbage and it just washes it obsessively in a little mm. puddle of water so that it can eat it. But it's still garbage, but it's just obsessively turning it over and over in its little scrabbly hands. I didn't know raccoons did this. This is troubling They to wash me. their food. Well, They're, that I knew. I hate raccoons. I, I didn't, hate them but so But I didn't know they do that with garbage. Oh, yeah. You they don't like you don't. possums either, though. I hate them. I think you hate possums more than raccoons. I hate them both okay. very, very much. But possums They're don't both, wash garbage. They're very upsetting. No, okay. that's right. We're getting far, too true, far afield. It's true. raccoons. And I just feel like they're yes. turning over this miserable marriage, and they don't want to talk about it in a way that's productive or in a way that's healthy or in a way that would move things forward. Well, and what's so uh, interesting about that is people engage in behavior for which they get some satisfaction. Right. So there's something in both of them that is, like she said at the beginning or he at the Mm -hmm. beginning, that um, whoever calls for the divorce would lose. That's in the back of their mind somewhere. And that's just not true. No, you're you're absolutely right. Like something about this arrangement, even if they're not willing to admit it to themselves, Mm -hmm. works for them. And I think that what you the only thing that you can have control over is whether or not you're a part of that. And it breaks the cycle, at least to some degree. And maybe that'll help them wake up and say, oh, this isn't working. Because I don't think there's anyone else in their life they could guilt into listening to this to the degree they've guilted you. So I actually have a really good friend. It's not quite the situation, but one of the phrases she came up with to both of her parents is, you're sharing your unhappiness with me is a great burden Hmm. to put on your child. And Hmm. I thought, wow, when you talk to parents about you are putting an unfair burden on me, if you have any hope of a parent waking up and doing the right thing, it's going to be, that's not what I want to do. Right. Which, you know, they say that these are wonderful people individually. Yes. So maybe that would spark something in them. Maybe. But yeah, I think draw a really hard line and and go go further than that's interesting. And I'm sorry you're upset. Get off the phone. Yeah. Leave the room. Say like, I want to make it really clear. You guys have been doing this for 25 years. Mm -hmm. It's a pain to me. It's a burden to me. It's a burden to me. I'm not going to listen to it. Yeah. And it's wounding me. Yes. I mean, this is silly. I'm kind of visual. It might even be helpful to get a little card out and draw a little stick figure of yourself and a circle around it and put your mom and dad on the Mm -hmm. outside of that circle and just visualize, I can't let them in with that one piece of conversation. We can't talk about that. That that topic is off limits. Yep. Yep. They've had 25 years. And they may have another 25. (sighs) And you don't want to be in there at that level. You talk about other things. Just say, we're going to talk about Christmas or what did you do today? Call me when you want to talk about the movies or the newspaper Mm -hmm. or whatever. Or Um, Kierkegaard. 
Or Kierkegaard, honestly. Yes, send them both the sickness unto death. There you go. See how that goes. Now that will give you something to talk about. Fear and trembling, mom and dad. Fear and trembling. No, this is just, I I feel like I get so many letters like this and just kind of what Mm -hmm. you were talking about, just the ways in which when people's marriage falls, people's marriages fall apart, sometimes they can involve their children in ways that are just so painful. Yep. Um, and obviously everyone's just a person. No one's perfect. Like a lot of people don't set out to do it. No. But when you kind of rope your kids into either I need you to hear all this criticism of your other parent or I need you to pick sides or I need you to get on board with this new relationship. Or and I, I need don't you have to time validate my, my perspective. Yeah, it's really rough. It's completely inappropriate yeah. would be a better word. And I just I, I feel a lot of sympathy for this letter writer. And I just want you to know that, like, it's really appropriate for you to draw this boundary. And your suggestion is not dramatic at no, all. It's at actually all. pretty appropriate. You're, yeah, maybe in, you're in a really dramatic quite, situation. And quite overdue. Yeah. No, they're just circling this drain repeatedly. Oh. Um, and you don't nope. have to circle with them. No. Nope. Get out. All right. We've just been reminded by our producer that we're talking over each it's other. It's mostly my fault. I do it all the time. I, we're both this way. I know. We do this when we're at home, and it's delightful. It's very fun, but I'm not on a podcast. It. it would be annoying. We're doing it right now. Sorry. No, it's wonderful. We'll stop. Uh, I just, this is how I'm used to talking with you, and we both. I'm pretty sure there was a quarter second delay before I started talking. I yeah. I, we should get little flags or something <laughs> to let each other Perfect. know when we're about to start talking. I Let's. never said Cesar Romero was tall. Let's. I never said he was tall. Um, we... Casey's looking at me like we're crazy. There's this line from uh, the movie While You're Sleeping Sleeping, when Sandra Bullock is staying with um, Peter Gallagher's family. And they're having this very, like, loud, boisterous conversation where they're all at cross purposes with each other and, like, finishing each other's sentences. And at one point, the mother just really loudly says, I never said Cesar Romero was tall. I said he was Spanish. And for (laughs) some reason, it's just become shorthand for, like, when the conversation gets too muddled and we need to stop it. Um so, Cesar Romero, there here we are. All right, so I'm going to read this letter, okay. and then I'm going to let you talk afterwards. Perfect. And then I'm going to talk. It'll be like a tennis match. <laughs> it will be like it. It'll be a very sedate tennis match. You'll all be able to follow the thread of this conversation beautifully. Um, so this one's called Adoption Grief. Dear Prudence, my husband and I are unable to have children of our own. We have tried in vitro unsuccessfully and have desperately tried to adopt. We contacted an agency and were picked out by a birth mother. We exchanged letters, paid for medical expenses, paid for the nur- painted the nursery, and picked out a name. After the baby was born, the birth mother decided to keep him. It was her right, but I can't put words to the emotional devastation that it has caused us. Aside from our intimate circle, I've been astonished by the blithe bullshit that people feel the need to impart to me. I've miscarried before. No one told me then that it was selfish to grieve for that baby, or that I could just try for another one, or have you thought about adopting overseas, or no, domestic adoption is so much easier, etc. I've nearly bit my tongue in half to keep from screaming at these people. My heart is bleeding, and I'm getting lectured by coworkers and acquaintances who think adopting a baby is as easy as picking up a puppy from the pound. My husband and I don't even know if we will try and go through this again. What do I say to these people? Is there anything that will make them stop? Oh, first of all, I'm so sorry. There are so many levels of loss in this letter that you've miscarried. You've tried in vitro, which is very complicated and exhausting. And now this, um, this is a world of grief that is almost too much to take in. That doesn't mean there's not hope. That doesn't mean you won't be a mom. But it does mean that right now the place you're at on the journey is raw and wounded and in need of people who are kind and understand that. I do think 
again, it's a little bit going back to one of the earlier letters. Sometimes when people try too hard, they do things so poorly. And I think people are trying to short circuit your pain, which is never a good idea. And it never works long term. Mm -hmm. So I think you're (laughs) in the middle of your layers of pain, you're going to have to find a bit of extraordinary grace for these people who are, I think, mostly trying to help and doing it so poorly. And then you're going to have to spend less time with them and find just a couple of people who will listen to you, who will give you tea and slice up oranges for you and hold your hand and be with you until you can hope again. Oh. Oh, I I feel that so much. And I think that's such a good point about short-circuiting other people's pain. And often, it comes from a desire that's mm-hmm. well-intentioned. Yes. Somebody sees, you're in pain. I want to make your pain less, which is an understandable reaction. But what it often looks like in practice is, I need to minimize your pain. I need to offer you false hope. I need to pretend to be an expert about something I don't actually know about in order for me to feel like I've made you feel better. And I think that that's just a bad response to pain. And for everybody out there who isn't sure what to say when somebody else is suffering, sometimes just saying, I'm so sorry. Yes. And then remembering to re-engage with them about the time you think everybody else is going to go on with their lives and forget. Mm Mm-hmm. Put a note in your calendar and send them a card, send them a gift certificate, ask them a question. It also kind of goes back to the way we started the podcast, only this is about grief, not conflict. But that's why it's so hard. Like, these are the very things that if you sit in them and go through them, Mm -hmm. what's on the other side is a better version of you and your life, even though we want to avoid it. Yeah. And I wish there was a magic wand that could take this grief away, but I'm afraid there's not. And in some small way... You are just getting hungry to be a mother. Yeah. I I think, too, because I, I want to give the letter writer advice as well as anybody who might ever know someone who, who has a disrupted adoption or who miscarries or loses a child or, you know, experiences significant loss, um, which is just I, 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 I agree that it's important to keep in mind that they are well-intentioned but misguided. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, you know, she says, I'm biting my tongue in half because I don't want to scream. I don't want you to scream at them either. Not because I think that I care more about their feelings than yours, but because I don't want you then to have to manage their emotions of how come you yelled at me? I was just trying to help. And I think it's really fair, especially because these sound like coworkers and acquaintances, to put up a limit and just say, it's really painful for me. I would prefer not to discuss it right now. That's really fair. And maybe even to say, I don't find this helpful at all right Mm. now. And that's okay, too. Yeah, yeah. And if you feel like you can say that in a way that's not going to cause you to fall apart or say more that you don't mean. Um, But, yeah, I think that's really fair to say, I don't find that very helpful. Let's talk about something else. Um, Because you don't necessarily want to have this long, involved conversation with coworkers and acquaintances that you don't know very well. You know, you have to kind of figure out. How much do I actually want to invest in this conversation since this isn't someone who's a part of my close inner circle? Exactly. Um, and what you said, too, is we, we want to rush people through to the other side of grief. Mm-hmm. The hard thing is if I do that in the conversation with you, I walk away feeling much better. Mm-hmm. You're left with the grief that doesn't go away and you don't feel any better. Yep. So it's sort of self-medicating me when I try to get you to rush too quickly to resolution. And I think the hardest thing about going through conflict or grief is that these things just take time yep. and we don't want them to take time. Yep. And you're just you're going to continue to be extremely sensitive about this for a while. 
And I think you should prepare for that. And and like whether you're in therapy, whether you and your husband are kind of trying to go through this together, like whatever you're doing to take care of yourself and your feelings right now, give yourself a lot of space because you're not going to you're not going to stop feeling sensitive about this for a while. And I think you have every right to say just really simple statements of truth, which is like, I'm really sad. I don't find this helpful. I don't want to continue to have this conversation. Um, We have like we're not talking about adopting overseas right now. Um, we're, I know that we might get another child in the future, but we're really sad about this one right now. To just stick with really simple Absolutely. statements of of truth, and then be comfortable with uncomfortable silences that might follow. Yeah, um, like you don't need to get drawn into a big argument about what types of adoption are better than others, but you can just say, "I hear that. I don't find that helpful, yeah. and I'm sad about this child that we yeah. thought we were going to be able to adopt." That's it's. Pushing for resolution way too soon. And this will probably never be fully resolved. There will always be that wound. Yeah. I mean, you guys got really far. And again, like, I, I, I love that you were able to kind of expand your, your compassion to the birth mother and realizing, like, that's, yeah. she, she does need to have the right to be able to say she doesn't want to give up her child. But to also say, like, you guys had a name. You were really close to finalizing an adoption. You thought of this child as your child. I actually thought her sentence in there that said it was fair for the birth mother to do that is an extraordinary level of grace given the pain that she's in. Totally. And it is. And it's so important. And it also doesn't mean that she doesn't get to feel really sad. I think those two things are both so, so important. And um, yeah, just in general, if you see someone experiencing sorrow, grief, loss, do not rush to fix it. Even for yourself. Yeah. Because then you short circuit what could be happening in your own self having to live with your friend's sadness. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I I can totally see that happening of just, oh, I don't want to feel uncomfortable exactly. all day thinking about this. No, I, I have wanna, other things to do. I want to just feel like, it's fine, she'll get another baby and she'll feel great. So I'll just give her that answer and then I can walk away and I feel better. Yeah. Hope she does. That's not real compassion. Yeah, she doesn't feel better. That's not good. Yeah. Ugh. Ah. We did it. Did we? We answered all the questions. Oh, my gosh. We fixed everything and everyone's happy now. Well, I'm not sure we did that. No, we, but we helped, I hope. Sure. I, I hope so, I hope too. so. I hope so, too. Oh, my gosh, Mom, it was so fun to have you You are the, the best. I love you so much. I love you, too. Thanks Ooh. for, uh, you know, giving me good advice in my own life. And if had you taken it from time to time, it might have even been more satisfying. You joker. Yeah. You full uh-huh. of jokes. I've taken some of your advice. Some, yeah. I'm sure. Um, well, thank you very much. We'll have to get you back on the show one of these days. Uh, and uh, good day to you. Thank you. I'll see you later. Bye, everybody. I want to close with a piece of advice that My mother has often given us her children, uh, some of whom you have met on this very show and some of whom remain shrouded in mystery, uh, which was that uh, how you handle disappointment is kind of a true mark of your character. And I feel like that's really appropriate because we get so many letters, including letters today, that start with uh, such and such is a wonderful person, but they're really terrible in their marriage or this person's really wonderful, but whenever they don't get their way, they're mean to me. And I think that part of what makes someone a wonderful person is what do they do when they don't get what they want? And what do they do when they lose something that they thought they couldn't lose? And what do they do when they realize they can't control something that they really wanted to control? And I think that often how you handle disappointment uh, really is kind of a mark of what kind of a person you are or what kind of a person you're trying to become. And you always have the opportunity to handle a fresh disappointment differently than you've handled them in the past. 
because often I know my response to disappointment is often, how could this happen to me? Um, this isn't right. Something horribly wrong has happened that I need to correct. I need to do a lot in order to make sure that this disappointment can't exist. Um, and I think that's usually not my best behavior. Usually those are not instances where I end up being real proud of how I acted. And uh, I often have to go back and apologize to people. So I think that uh, advice that my mother has given us that I would like to pass on to you is really rise to the occasion when you get disappointed. Um, which doesn't mean that you should just be thrilled every time something bad happens and just super cheerful about it and like fantastic. What a remarkable opportunity to display like strength of character. But a little bit do that. A little bit do that. She was, you know, she's right about a lot of stuff. Um, and I, I, I guess I kind of appreciate her. I'm, I'm glad she's around. And I, I, I hope that you are all able to, uh, Feel some of the warmth that she sort of generated today in the studio uh, and, and to take that into your own hearts and minds. Uh, and with that, I'm going to go get tea with my mom. We're going to go hang out. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Casey Miner. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcasts. And Andy Bowers is the chief content officer of Panoply. If you like this show, please go to iTunes and write us a review. Reviews extend your lifespan and help new listeners find the podcast, which means more questions and more advice. Just search for Slate Dear Prudence. If you want us to answer your question, call and leave us a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 401-371-3327. And we might give you an answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location. And at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Send it to us at prudencepodcast at gmail.com. If you have thoughts about other letters that we've received or general feedback about the column, send that in an email. The voice line is for questions only. 